And what is up, Dodgers Nation? Welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live, a Friday edition. Got the Friday Fun Show going. Got the Friday Fun Show about to pop off. And we are Jim Gilliam days away from Dodgers opening day, 19 days away before your boys in blue kick off their season in Seoul, Korea against the San Diego Padres. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. We're talking about the shortstop position. Should we be concerned with the defensive play of Gavin Lux? Is it something? Is it nothing? Should we dismiss it? We're going to dive into all that. We're going to talk to more about Shohei Otani and the impact of him getting married. He talked to reporters yesterday. We're going to dive into that. James Paxton made his first start as a Dodger. And then a little later, I'm going to throw out my off-season grades for every single Dodgers signing so you don't want to miss that we're going to dive into that I asked you guys over on Twitter about Gavin Lux and your concern level what is your concern level at all when it comes to Gavin Lux and how he's playing defensively as the two airs is it extremely high is it very high is it low so let me know all your takes on Gavin Lux we'll get to the Dodgers nation Dodgers dugout live poll question in just a minute but we are so close to 85,000 subscribers so close and once we get to 85k you know what we're doing we're giving away a brand new Yoshinobu Yamamoto number 18 Dodgers jersey he was fantastic the other day in his Dodgers debut let's see where we're at right now so the number one Dodgers YouTube channel. We're at 84,891. So we're almost at under 100 subscribers away from giving away that New Jersey. Maybe we give it away on Monday. So Jam Pack Show, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, and also drop all your takes on all things Dodger baseball. Happy birthday, DMAC. Not my birthday, but hey, I'll take it. We got... Uh, Lux is cool. That's from Daniel. We got give me that jersey, DMAC, Ryan M. Yeah, a lot of you guys pushing for that jersey. Got some DMs from you guys. Think it's going to help your chances. That's not how this thing works. It's completely random. All you have to do is be subscribed to the channel and comment Yamamania down below. So we're on my Yamamaniacs act, but let's dive right in the comments section, guys. Welcome into a Friday show of Dodgers dugout live. Let's look down below in the comment section and see what we have, who's checking in so far. Let me know where you're representing Dodgers nation from. Give me those cities. We got ITFDB. We got uh, Jorge. You got Miguel Rojas. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yamamania from Roy Miranda. Good season over 85,000. Otani still married. Yeah, he's still married for sure. They did not uh, They did not already get divorced. By the way, if he got divorced, could he defer those payments for 10 years on the alimony? I mean, I don't know if he had the kids, but no, I don't think they're, they're happily married, guys. A happily married guy. One-eyed dragon, two rings. Yeah, Otani had rings on his mind when he signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's got the first ring out of the way. Hopefully he had some World Series wearings to that too. Carol, when should we start worrying about Gavin's performance? We're going to dive into that topic here in just a second. But uh, 760 Imperial Valley, that's Paul over on YouTube. We got Julian Fernandez, Yamamania. Let me get it, DMAC. Yeah, all you guys want that jersey. And look, here's the thing. We're doing a ton of giveaways the entire season. So anytime you... Give a like to the channel. You comment down below. You are supporting the channel. Like I said, this is your show. I'm just hosting it, guys. You guys have really made this channel what it is. And yeah, so definitely be sure to be subscribed. But let's dive into the first topic today because we got a jam-packed show. So we're going to keep it moving. And I don't know if you guys saw Kike Hernandez's interview with Foul Territory 
very interesting nuggets, really in-depth detail about the free agency process for a player that wasn't necessarily entering free agency on a high note. Someone that had struggled the past two seasons at the plate defensively, was dealing with an injury, and then on top of that, you have all the issues with the regional sports networks and teams not being flush with cash. And he has some very interesting things to say, too, about the team that he chose and why he chose them over the New York Yankees. So Ken Rosenthal, over the weekend, he reported that you had teams like the Padres, the Angels, the Giants, the Twins, teams like that. They were the finalists for Kike Hernandez. He did not list the Dodgers or the Yankees, but Kike told foul territory that those were the two teams he was picking from. But he also talked about the free agency process. Here, give a listen to Kike Hernandez talking about why he signed with the Dodgers. At the end, it was uh, it came down to, to Dodgers or Yankees. Uh, big market only, but um, uh, I, I chose the Dodgers because they have a lot of left-handed hitters. Uh, obviously, I have familiarity. I didn't have to, to. I was already late to spring. I didn't have to to pack my my bags and and fly to Florida and all that, and then move my family across the country. But um, you know, Dodgers being here in Arizona was convenient, and also they have a lot of left-handed hitters in the lineup. And 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 I think the main reason was they were able to guarantee me to start again, at least against left-handed pitchers uh, to start the year. And then from there on, you know, anything can happen. And uh, the Yankees have a, have a really, really good lineup as well, just like the Dodgers. But they have a lot of right-handed hitters and, and their lefties are not platoon guys. So uh, the only way for me to, to get in the lineup was either to give guys days off or to, to if, if in case somebody went, got hurt and um i'm not that type of guy that you know is in the locker room hoping that somebody gets hurt so, so that i can play um i understand that everybody needs to be healthy in order to win and they have the team to to, to go deep into october so um I, I i both options were great and at the end it came all about you know dodgers can at least guarantee me a bat to start the year and um we're back so there you go. Kike is back. The banana is back in Dodger blue. He's always the life of the party. He's someone that the fans love. You see him twerking in the dugout, dancing in the dugout, but they would not bring him back if that's all he did, right? He provides value because of the role he's going to play. And look, last season wasn't his best season. He struggled mightily with the Red Sox at the plate, 62 OPS plus. And you look at the numbers you put up with the Dodgers, just below average at the plate. But he was one of the only Dodgers that hit in the postseason. And as Kike mentioned, he's someone that has a role against left-handed pitching. And it's interesting that he brings it up because last season, he did not have a lot of success against lefties. In 2023, he slashed just 239, 304, 338 with a 73 weighted runs created plus against Southpaw. So he was 27% below league average against lefties. But for his career, he's had a lot of success against lefties. A 115 weighted runs created plus. And then from 2021 to 22, a 123 weighted runs created plus in his first two seasons in Boston. So that is going to be the role that he's going to have for this team. He can play all three outfield spots. He can play all four infield spots. My man can pitch. Like I said a few days ago, Dodgers have the best two-way player in baseball and Shohei Otani. We've seen what Kike Hernandez can do if there is a blowout. But I do think it's interesting that he mentioned almost the idea of collusion and some of these teams having 
conversations with players, but then not having conversations with players. And he mentioned how he kind of held out as long as he could to get the most money that he could. And look, this is someone who was a well below average player at the play for the last two seasons that wasn't very happy about getting $4 million. But when you compare that to some of these other guys out there, like Ahmed Rosario, who signed for a one and a half million dollars and guys like David Peralta, who signed a minor league contract with the Cubs, it lets you know that he's not in the worst position, but this is a perfect situation for Kike Hernandez because he's on a one-year deal. He can boost his stock. He can play in a lineup that knows how to optimize him. They know how his swing works. And when things are going awry for him, when things are starting to slip, they're going to be able to identify those things and he can make adjustments on the fly and avoid the droughts that we saw in Boston. But he would also talk about some other interesting facts about his free agency process here. Give a listen to Kike talking about how he ended up with the Dodgers and a conversation he had with Dodgers president baseball operations, Andrew Friedman. So I thought I had a deal done in place with them like about a month ago. Um, obviously that they needed to move Margo and um, in order for me to trade for, to, to sign. And um, there was a trade, I guess there was a trade in place and it fell apart overnight. I went to bed thinking we had a deal and I woke up and, being unemployed again. And, um, yeah, it just kind of dragged out. And at the end it was, I had, I, I called Andrew last week and I was like, Hey, Andrew, I mean, I've been waiting. I've been waiting, but I can only wait for so long. Games already started and I'm getting to really get angsty. And, um, I was like, if we can't get it done this weekend, then I'm going to have to move on and, and, and go somewhere else. And cause I keep waiting and opportunities are starting to to, to go away because I'm waiting and, um, you know, and, and at the end, it, it, you know, they, they were down to their last day and he, he made it happen. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we need more players. First of all, like Kike Hernandez, no, not baseball players that know how to twerk, but guys that go on to shows like foul territory and give you a true peek behind the curtain. I thought that was one of the most, outstanding interviews I've ever seen on foul territory because of the things that Kike was saying, the fact that a deal almost got done with Manuel Margot and the fact that he basically made it very clear to this Dodgers team that, look, I want to be a Dodger. I love to be a Dodger. They had talks earlier on in free agency that would have made him a Dodger a lot earlier than when it did transpire. But the fact that he got a deal done when he did and he feels good about it, he's ready to go. He's going to be in the lineup tonight in the Dodgers spring training game. So you're going to see Kike for the Dodgers today, but he also had a very interesting nugget too about Kenley Jansen. Now, Mark Feinstein has talked a little bit about this. You've heard some other insiders kind of hint at this, but when he mentioned the possibility of getting traded and Margot getting traded, he also talked a little bit about Kenley Jansen and Juan Toribio, he wrote on MLB.com, at one point in the offseason, the Dodgers engaged with the Red Sox on a possible swap that would have sent Margot to Boston in exchange for a longtime Dodgers closer, Kenley Jansen. Those discussions never progressed past the initial stages and fizzled out pretty quickly into the process, sources told MLB.com. So I think one thing we've learned from this Dodgers 
brass, this organization, this offseason is yes, they do want to add players elsewhere. But also, if you have a history with this team, if you have a connection with this team, they are willing to bring it back. And it feels like the Dodgers were pretty close to getting Kenley Jansen back in Dodger blue. Now, we've talked about Kenley Jansen. I don't love the idea of talking about, okay, it's like reheating McDonald's french fries. Won't taste the same, but 29 of 33 in saves last season. Throwing his cutter at almost 78% of the time. He's definitely a solid to really good closer and it's kind of a indication of, okay, had they had traded for Kenley, would they have re-signed Ryan Brazier? And I think that we're going to look back in kind of this butterfly effect world of the 2024 offseason is, okay, I think they end up in a better spot now, not having made that deal for Kenley Jansen and ending up with Kike Hernandez, ending up bringing back Ryan Brazier. So I think the Dodgers are in the better spot. And look, Kike, we've talked about this. This is someone who has a defined role on this team. He's a dog in the postseason. Three home run game against the Cubs. Bomb against A.J. Minter. Even last season, I loved what he said after the Dodgers were down 0-2. He talked about how he's a big fan of the UFC. And the best UFC fights are when guys are going back and forth. Guys that can take a punch. Kike Hernandez knows how to take a punch, right? He's not going to go down into the night soft. And I think you need that character and that mindset in this Dodgers clubhouse. But let me know down below in the comment section, what are your thoughts on one, just bringing back Kike just days after. I still feel like on a $4 million deal, a cash neutral deal. When you look at the Dodgers paying money for Margot to be in Minnesota, they decided, okay, the additional versatility of Kike outweighed what Manuel Margot can do as an outfielder. So I love the move. I think it was the right move to do at the very end at the buzzer, really the cherry on top to what's going to go down in my opinion, as the best off season potentially that any baseball team has ever had. So what are you guys thoughts on Kike? We got uh, Roy Miranda. I was hoping after they traded Margot that we maybe could have gotten JD Martinez as a super bat off the bench or even platoon with Hayward sounds like he wants to be on a contender. I actually don't necessarily think, I mean, yeah, I think JD Martinez wants to win, but I think he wants to get paid. I think he wants one more multi-year deal in his career. I thought that the Diamondbacks made sense early on a reunion with Detroit made sense early on. The Mets make sense for JD Martinez. But as far as bringing him back to this team, little bit of an older guy. He's going to occupy that DH spot, right? JD stands for just dingers, not just defense. And you don't really have a spot for him, right? You're not going to hide him out in left field, even though they did sample with it on an extremely small level last season. And then you got in Teoscar Hernandez. Oh, Teoscar Hernandez, he's that right-handed hitter that's a little younger. He can rake, but yeah, I have said it before on the show. You can't stress the importance of JD Martinez and what he was able to do as far as being there for Mookie Betts and JD called Mookie Betts right after he signed with the Dodgers and he made Mookie Betts yell to him on the phone that he was going to win the MVP last season. JD Martinez made Mookie Betts do that. And he also said, we're going to get back to 2018 grinding every single day. And what happened? Mookie Betts had his best offensive season with the Dodgers finished with more war than the eventual winner in Ronald Acuna Jr. He had 39 home runs, a career high over hundred RBI. So the absence of JD Martinez, how does that impact Mookie Betts? That's a small storyline. You can follow this season as well. I be stroking. What up D Mac? What up Dodgers fan? What up my man? We got, uh, Night. We got bring back Trevor Bauer. We got uh, Trevor Bauer fans down below. It's very interesting to see 
Bauer said he'd play for the minimum. Still hasn't got an opportunity. Bring back Jansen with a cup of water. That's from One-Eyed Dragon. Yeah, and maybe a defibrillator too, right? And the rest of the the kind of the what comes with him as far as what he brings to this fan base. But I think that Jansen, if you brought him back, I would not hate the move. I just don't love the move. I think it's more of a regular season move, and I just don't think they're going to go that route. Dying Shooter, nobody was happier than me when Kike announced he was back. Victor Banos, hi, D-Max, sensational getting back. Kike, he is a fight dog, especially for the postseason run. Kike can, can fill in for an injured Muncy. Absolutely, you can see him play third. You can also see Chris Taylor. Gavin Lux is going to be a huge problem at shortstop Robert Roca. We'll talk about that. Cobra Commander War, what is it good for? Absolutely something when it comes to evaluating players. I'll tell you that much. Robert Carson, LOL. Mondo D. Guzman Snell, can I get a Let's Go Dodgers? I'll give you your Let's Go Dodgers right here. Dodger. What happened there? Snell watched batters to avoid Win. mistakes. Perfect. Life with many. Hello, Dodgers Nation. DMAC. GM DMAC from UCLA just got accepted to a PhD program. Awesome. That's a comment of the show. Can never have enough Bruins. There we go. Let's represent right there. We got, uh, okay, we got Diablo Mania. GHO 664. So, yeah, that's where that with that. Now, a little bit about the Otani marriage. So, he dropped the presser yesterday on the YouTube channel, but he was asked a little bit about it and kind of what went into it, how long he's known the lady and if it impacted his free agency. So here was Otani after practice yesterday talking to reporters about his marriage. あの、フィールコンフォーテーブルアンタッキングアバウトウェンアイガットメリーエクザクトデートエンドスタッフバットシーズアノーマルジャパニーズウォーマンセカクナイズキャッチとわかんないですけど、3初めて会ったの 僕まで、ま、野球と別のことなので、ま、どこに行っても来るっていう感じだったので、そこは全くもう関係なく自分がえ、どこで野球したいかっていうところを そうですね。ま、シーズン中よりまず、え、入る前が、ま、もちろん自分自身もそうですし、え、ま、他の全部トータルで見たときに、え、もちろん入る前が一番ベストじゃないかなっていうえ、ところだったのと、ま、時期に
because it was during COVID shutdowns. She isn't a celebrity or anything. She is now with him in Arizona, and he proposed normally just by asking her the question last year. So he wasn't with him during the uh, – he said that uh, he was with her, and as far as – Three to four years. That's a pretty good amount of time. I think we know now who is taking the pictures of decoy, right? I was always wondering who's actually taking those pictures. Clearly, it was her. I think it's pretty fascinating. The indoor dates. I mean, were they just Netflix and chilling for three, four years? What were they actually doing? I mean, that was pretty interesting. And this guy is someone that keeps everything close to the vest. And I'm excited for the guy. I've seen people out there saying, oh, I thought he was married to baseball. I thought he was married to the game. This is someone who is announcing this now before the season. So it's not a distraction at all whatsoever. I see some people, some ladies out there saying, oh, my heart is shattered in a million pieces. Oh, he led me on for four years. This kind of stuff. Look, okay, just stop. Okay. This is someone who is clearly a happily married guy. I think that this actually brings some more, more stability. I mean, I think that there's nothing wrong with this at all. I think people are freaking out for no reason whatsoever. And look, this is someone too, when you consider the fact that he's only getting $2 million a year from the Dodgers, you kind of need a second earner to really afford the home and afford his lifestyle, right? I mean, you definitely need that. And it proves that she's not a gold digger too. She's not a gold digger because she married a guy that's only getting $2 million this season from the Dodgers. But no, I'm absolutely excited for Shohei Otani. I could not be more thrilled. I'm actually sending him, I got him a 995 piece silver flatware set, but I'm only going to send a fork and two spoons. I'm going to de defer the rest of it till later. So just excited for Shohei Otani. I think it's really cool just to see him just continue to open up as a person to continue to establish his roots in Los Angeles. I think that we're seeing someone that, yeah, he's 29 years old, but it feels like he's almost growing up and maturing before our eyes. The fact that he's willing to have these conversations, you know, he was asked about her. He's kind of itching his neck and kind of touching his face and touching his hair kind of getting a little nervous about it. Then yeah, I've seen people out there. They're kind of questioning this and this and that and yeah it definitely has that yeah my girlfriend goes to another school energy for sure but Shohei Otani is a married man and like I said the first of many rings for Los Angeles Dodgers but let me know down below in the comment section you got two rings by the way how many rings will Shohei Otani end up with with the Dodgers engagement ring wedding ring you got uh good for Shohei and decoy ladies get over it yeah I mean decoy deco pen I mean it's awesome man She's, we finally know who's behind the camera for that one. Roy Estrada Lux is a Dodger with a good bat, but need to be elite to cover the ground. Maybe in a year or two, he gets healthy and gets back to where he needs to be. Can Andy, Andy Pajes play shortstop asking for a friend? That's from Bryce Jensen. No, he cannot play shortstop. He's someone you're going to see in the outfield. And let's dive into that right now. I'm going to sit here, talk to you about Gavin Lux. So, yes, Gavin Lux has had a little bit of a rough go of it at the shortstop position so far. He's played in 16 defensive innings, 16 only. The ball has been hit to him twice. Both of those times have led to an error. You had the throw that was off in the first one, and then last night he bobbled the ball. Wasn't the best throw. Let's kind of take a look at Gavin Lux right here. You see, this is a routine ground ball for a big league shortstop. He rushes it. He bobbles it. Only real issue, errors happen, right? You're going to have errors. That's a part of the game. But this is something that he didn't need to travel a lot of distance to get from a range standpoint. This is a play that 
100% of big league shortstops will tell you that they need to make. And you see, the problem there is with the transfer and him not using the right technique on the transfer and the right footwork to get into his throw. And I think that is part of the issue is that he's thinking about the throw before he handles it cleanly before he feels it cleanly. And that's why you need to get things synced up. You need him to go out there and play a ton of innings, get a ton of opportunities. And this is someone who had a severe injury and it was to his right leg and he's throwing off the right foot. I think he needs to continue to get a little more confidence in that knee, in his leg. And he needs to put everything together to be able to make those throws. I gave you the numbers on his arm, a couple Shows ago, back in 2021, when he was filling in for Corey Seager, he had one of the weaker shortstop arms in baseball. It was one of the grayed out as one of the lowest. He also grayed out as a below average shortstop. Those were the metrics. Then I spoke to Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes about Gavin Lux, and they feel very confident in their metrics and their evaluation of him defensively. He's also someone that has grown a lot since 2021, right? That was years ago. And they fully believe he's capable of playing that position. But yeah, it's definitely been adventure. Let's just be honest. I'm not going to sit here like Dodgers State TV and act like it's nothing. Okay. I mean, this is someone who is playing a premium position. One of the most valuable positions in sports, the shortstop. Gavin said himself, it's every baseball player's dream to play shortstop for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And a couple factors behind it too is it's not the work right? You saw yesterday before the game, he was the last guy out there before warmups. He has been putting in the work, but you cannot replicate game action. You cannot replicate the adrenaline of playing in a game. But I will say, I've heard people out there saying Steve Sachs. Oh, Gavin Lux is Steve Sachs who had the yips. And Steve Sachs is someone who he definitely had the yips. He definitely struggled defensively. He had like 24 errors before the all-star break that season. But Steve Sachs you don't know the story. He would go on to play 15 years in Major League Baseball. He was one of the best defensive infielders when he was traded to the Yankees. He's someone that figured things out. And Steve Sachs talks about a conversation that he had with his dad right before he passed away. It was the last conversation he ever had with his dad. And Steve Sachs' dad said, look, you want to build confidence, build it in practice, build it with game reps. And he asked him, he said, okay, can you drive a car? Steve Sachs said, yes. Are we having this conversation? Steve Sachs said, yes. So he said, it's not a mental block. It's about building confidence. And I think that is what Gavin Lux needs just to build confidence in his ability. He's going to do that by reps. And I think practice is where he's going to take the next step. And I think game action it's something to monitor, but I would not sell all my Gavin Lux stock. I think it's very premature. He was going to require three to four months of consistent playing time at that position before you could give it an accurate assessment. And if you're worried about this, think about a couple of things here. Okay, one, who was the opening day second baseman for the Dodgers last season? It was Miguel Vargas. What happened to Miguel Vargas after the All-Star break? Sent down to AAA. He was never back, right? James Outman, he started the season in center field. It worked out. He ended up finishing third in the rookie of the year voting, right? Had 23 home runs, played above average defense. Point I'm making here is when it comes to young Dodgers players, this organization uses the first part of the season to assess their abilities. And if it doesn't work out, then they'll address it. If 
Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor need to play shortstop. I think Chris Taylor playing shortstop against lefties is something I want to see. But let's not forget, Miguel Rojas is a top five defensive shortstop in baseball. A 12 defensive run save last season. Yes, offensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. And I think the conversation is, do you value Gavin Lux's bat in average to below average defense or Miguel Rojas's elite defense and below average offense. And I think the Dodgers, they want Gavin Lux batting in the eighth or ninth spot, turning over that lineup and being on base when Mookie Betts is at the plate, who hit his home run, first home run of the season yesterday. When Shohei Otani is at the plate, when Freddie Freeman's at the plate, they know that Gavin Lux showed the ability a few seasons ago when he had a three F4 season when he was well above average at the plate he can get on base. So I think they'll live with average defense, but it can't completely crater. He can't be the worst shortstop in baseball defensively or anything like that for them to continue him at that position because also he grayed out as a above average second baseman defensively. And you have the option of Mookie Betts sliding over to shortstop too. And Mookie wants to play second. He was better at second than he was at short. But the most important thing is the Dodgers do have options. They have options at the position internally. We didn't even talk about Sweeney, who had his home run yesterday. Trey Sweeney. Everyone's talking about Sydney Sweeney this week. I'm talking about Trey Sweeney. Okay, Trey Sweeney impressed me with that bomb. Unloading. Beautiful swing. He's someone, a big shortstop, 6'4". They got him in the Vivas and Victor Gonzalez trade with the Yankees. I'm very curious to see what he looks like during his time in spring training, what he can do with the Dodgers player development. So they have options internally. And then you wait and see, does Willie Thomas become available? And I'm sure if he does, the Dodgers can absolutely get a deal done. They have the requisite prospect capital to get a deal done for Willie Adamas. And like I said, you still owe it to yourself to see what you have in Gavin Lux. You owe it to yourself. Okay. Is he a shortstop? That's the big question this season. Is he a shortstop or is it that meme where, okay, what is a polar bear doing in Arlington, Texas, right? Is that going to be like Gavin Lux at shortstop? I don't think so. I still have all the confidence in the world that Gavin Lux can get it done defensively and I focus on what he can do at the plate because last season, Major League Baseball, I mean, there were seven, eight guys. They were above average offensively at the shortstop position. Gavin Lux has a chance to be that guy, but let me know down below in the comments section on a scale of one to 10, on a scale of one to 10, what is your concern level with Gavin Lux? Sammy Boy Smith says, I'll take both Sweeney's. Okay, you're watching SNL this week. Yeah, I'd rather avoid Denver than avoid the playing. Yeah, I watched that Sydney Sweeney interview with Jimmy Fallon. That guy's a pro's pro. The main icon to maintain that icon, he's a pro's pro. Just put it that way 50 bets, MVP, one eyed dragon. Sweeney is a stud. Cobra Commander, if I remember correctly, Lux was minor league player of the year. He was their top prospect. He's someone who is unbelievable as far as his prospect potential. He's not a prospect anymore, but what he's been able to prove in flashes. Cobra Commander, if you remember, Bush killed it in the minors, but could not bring that same talent to the show. Vargas, another example. Got people talking about the Lakers. Roy Estrada says nine. Barely beat a bad team at home, no less. Okay, we're talking about the Lakers here. John seven. Yeah, player seven. Ten highest concern level. That's from Mac Cheese. Teresa Gates, seven. Robert, seven. Ronald, five. 
Both uh, these Dodgers aren't dumb. Lux has been in their organization since he was a kid. If they believe in Lux, I believe in Lux, and I trust the smartest people in baseball. That's the comment of the show so far. That's absolutely the comment of the show. Because I'm in complete agreement with you. And like I always say, if the Dodgers like it, I love it. And we are of the same belief there. Diane says six. Craig says eight. Adam says eight. Alex says ten. Carnivorous Lunar Activity says three. So a lot of you guys are concerned about this. Let me remind you guys. I'm going to scream this for the people in the back of the room. It is spring training in the second week. It was only the second time that he has gotten an opportunity to field a baseball. Yes, hasn't gone well so far. He's coming off a serious injury. He's the first time he's going to be the everyday shortstop. Let's give this guy a chance and let's not bury him just after a couple of errors. Okay. That's very, very premature. And if you want to feel good about something, no, the Dodgers will not let Gavin Lux's defense at shortstop cost them. They are going to evaluate him and they're going to realize what he can do early on. If they need to address it, they will do just that. So moving right along, want to talk a little bit about James Paxton. If you saw James Paxton yesterday, I thought he was extremely impressive in his Dodgers debut. Definitely a little shaky, definitely a little shaky to start things off, which is to be expected in a pitcher who is during his first start of the season. But yeah, the first, the first, uh, couple minutes out there. He got a couple singles, back-to-back singles, a lot of sack fly. Command was a little off, but he comes out there in the second inning, struck out all three batters that he faced, tons of swing and miss, finished with 32 pitches. Do not sleep on James Paxton. Everyone's talking about Blake Snell this week. James Paxton has the ability to be the best number four or five starter in baseball. For a lot of teams out there, James Paxton is third, possibly even second in their rotation. This is someone who has a ton of upside and the Dodgers, they bet on that upside. And as Rick Monday pointed out yesterday during the broadcast, one of the most effective elevated four seam fastballs in the game up there with Miller on the Mariners and Sandy Alcantara on the Marlins. So this is someone that has the stuff to be successful. And like I said, focus on the stretches when he was dominant last season, there was a 10 game stretch to start the year. At a sub three ERA, 273 ERA, a 29.1 strikeout rate, which is well above league average, a 6.4 walk rate. So James Paxson, I think, can do for the Dodgers what Tyler Anderson did for the Dodgers a few seasons ago. What we saw from Andrew Heaney, but on a higher scale. I think the pitch mix is obviously different. Anderson did it with the changeup and the grip he found on that. Paxson can hit 97. His velocity numbers are similar to the ones that he posted when he was one of the best top 20, 25 pitchers in baseball. So as long as he stays healthy and he gives the Dodgers 19 to 20 starts, I have all the confidence in the world that James Paxson was the right signing. And I thought he did a fantastic job in his Dodgers debut, especially in that second inning. I mean, he was great, but uh, let me know what you guys think of James Paxson last night. Where's the Paxton stands, the Paxton truthers. And so we got Gavin Lux. We got Paxton talk a little about Trey Sweeney. Like I said, Trey Sweeney, he looks like he could be the real deal. I'm telling you former first round pick for the Yankees. I want to see what he can do with the Dodgers player development hits the home run and defensively. He's solid. He's someone that did struggle as far as his strikeout rate, but yeah, keep your eye on Trey Sweeney, but coming up next, 
We are going to drop some Dodgers off-season grades. We're going to do the first part of this, kind of just probably stretch this into two episodes, but you won't want to miss this. The Dodgers, a master class this off-season, and we're throwing out grades. That's coming up next on Dodgers Dugout Live. What up, Dodgers Nation? D-Mag here. I'm here to remind you that if you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news, rumors, hype videos, interviews, breakdowns, live streams, and more all year long. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to help the channel out, smash that like button. Also, you will not be eligible for any of our giveaways unless you are subscribed to the channel. So all you need to do to be eligible for all of our giveaways is just make sure that you are subscribed. We just gave away a brand new authentic Mookie Betts jersey valued at over $350. And we got tons of giveaways coming this offseason. So be sure to be subscribed so you are eligible to win. And as always, think blue, bleed blue, and please subscribe. And welcome back to Dodgers Dugout Live. And we have a lot to get into in our final segment, guys. We're going to probably do a deeper dive on all these players when we throw out some grades as far as we're going to do it individually. But as a whole, we're going to kind of do this rapid-fire style because it was a very busy offseason for the Dodgers. And this Dodgers team, they addressed every need they had. You went out there. You made the big signings, not just the Otanis, the Yamamoto's, but you brought by guys back that are going to be big pieces to the puzzle for this team in 2024. So first big signing of the offseason was Max Muncy. Muncy signed a two-year, $24 million deal with a club option for 2026. And Muncy, someone that had a really nice season last year, 36 bombs, 105 RBI. That was first among all third baseman in baseball is a career high for him. He did hit 212, had 85 walks, a 118 weighted runs created plus. That was eighth among all big league third basemen in 135 games. So Max Muncy still an incredibly productive player and someone that is really on the verge of establishing himself. I know no one talks about this and I was talking to Max Muncy about this. Actually, I was kind of giving him his numbers and talking about how he's really up there with some of the better Dodgers sluggers in this history. And he's 10th all time in home runs. And he's someone that if he has a couple of really good years. He could be top five, right? So that's definitely something to consider is Max Muncy. Great postseason player. Yes. The defense is concerning. He was a bottom level defensive third baseman, but he has definitely lost some weight. He's in the best physical condition of his life. It's impacting his lateral movement. He looks a lot more fluid at third base. And let's not forget, every team in Major League Baseball would consider Max Muncy as their third baseman because he hits 36 home runs and give you over 100 RBIs. And he's someone that is really a first baseman that's kind of masquerading as a third baseman. And someone, too, could probably be a DH on most teams as well. So when you look at the signing, though, $24 million, and he bypassed that pending $14 million club option. This is someone who is a top level offensive third baseman for a two years, $24 million, $12 million a season. I have to give this an A. I think that's an A for Max Muncy. I truly do an A, maybe even an A minus. If you look at defensive run, save minus three total zone rating minus five. Yes. The defensive metrics don't love him, but when you look at the value he provides at that price, I mean, I think it made a ton of sense. I like that Max Muncy signing. But keep moving here. Next one, Blake Trinan. So Blake Trinan, the Dodgers, they brought him back. They basically thought, okay, third time's a charm for Blake Trinan. And guess how much they brought him back for? $1 million. Okay. 
half of Otani's salary, but $1 million, okay? As for someone that he's only pitched in six innings in the last few seasons, right? In 2022, he pitched in six innings, including the postseason. He missed five months with that partial tail of his capsule in his right shoulder. And he also had shoulder tightness that prevented a comeback later on. But for me, this is a this is a no-risk move. No-risk, high-reward at a $1 million price tag. Someone that I think has the possibility and the potential to have an impact on this bullpen. The slider's already looking good. I think Blake Trinan, you have to give this an A- as well. Jason Hayward, they bring him back on a one-year contract, $9 million, and had a couple injury plague seasons with Chicago. He was healthy. He was happy. He was reunited with Freddie Freeman. And he put up some really nice numbers, 15 bombs, 23 two-baggers, a 121 weighted runs created plus in 124 games. That 121 weighted runs created plus was his highest since 2015, so he was 21% above league average. He had 15 home runs. In six in from 2020 to 2022, he had 15 home runs and 685 plate appearances with the Cubs. That's three seasons, including one shortened season. He hit 15 home runs with the Dodgers last season alone. So he found that power back and he started 98 games all against righties. 92.6% of his plate appearances were against righties. So he's a specialist against righties. And nine million, I always say no such thing as a bad one-year deal, but I don't love the Jason Hayward signing as much as I do some of the other signings just because you wonder if he's going to regress at the plate. Defensively, I do want to point out that he still is one of the best outfielders in the game. He was a plus five in defensive run save. That was second all of Major League Baseball. So that's definitely very impressive. And I think that's one of the big reasons why you move Mookie Betts to second base. So Jay Hay, the only issue I have, though, the expected numbers weren't that great. And when the expected numbers, expected batting average, hard contact numbers, when those aren't in the red, sometimes you look at regression the following season. So don't love the Jay Hay move. Look, I don't hate it, but I'm just not head over heroes about it doing car reels down 1000 Vince Kelly Avenue. So I'm going to give it a B minus. Then Joe Kelly, they bring back Mariachi Joe on December 11th, my mom's birthday. I know I said that one year contract with Joe Kelly, 8 million. And basically what they did with Joe Kelly is they said, okay, maybe you're not going to be someone that's going to pitch 50 innings out of the pen. But when you are healthy, you provide a high leverage arm that can play up in the postseason. He's striking out batters at a higher clip than he has is as high as it has been his entire career. And what the Dodgers essentially did was they declined Joe Kelly's $9.5 million club option for this season they paid him the $1 million, and then with the $8 million salary, they basically saved $500,000. So really, this is a lesson to all of you guys out there. For organizations that are as wealthy as the Dodgers, they're still looking at ways to save money on the margins and bring it back a pitcher that, one, the fans love, and two, can have an impact on this team. But he hasn't pitched more than 50 innings in a season since 2019. Don't focus on the longevity. There's enough youth and enough arms in this bullpen that can cover it. It's about getting him right and having him peak in the postseason. But I'm going to give Joe Kelly as a signing a B. Then Shohei Otani, I mean, come on, A++++++. It's been two hours saying that, but we'll kind of, I've done so many videos on Otani. We'll just kind of run through this one quick. Otani, they get him not only at $700 million, which it's not truly $700 million. It's 700 that's more than Lionel Messi's 674 on paper, 
But in truth, it's a $460 million deal, right? In present day terms. That's how much the contract was. But hey, if you search biggest contract in sports history, Otani and Des Bolello can say it was $700 million. But still, the $460 million is still extremely high, right? The highest in the sport. And they ended up deferring $680 million. So it reduced that that uh, average annual value, the AAV, on the CBT. So, yeah, I mean, look, this is uh, definitely an A-plus-plus sign. You get the best player in the sport, a guy who could go down as one of the best, if not the best players in history, if he has a five, six-year run where he's winning multiple MVPs in multiple World Series. So, Otani goes without saying, I mean, you look at his last couple of seasons combined, 124 home runs, 157 weighted runs created plus. If you look at his war value in the 10 range, he's basically worth $80 million a season financially. So yeah, A plus, plus, plus. And then you got Tyler Glass now in the extension after being traded. It was included with Manuel Margot and $2 million. I think Tyler Glass now, they needed an ace. He does have some injury concerns, some durability concerns, hasn't pitched more than 120 innings in a season, hasn't made more than 21 starts. But when he's on the mound, he is one of the best starting pitchers in baseball when it comes to pure stuff. This is a guy that pumps gas. 99-100, has one of the most lethal curveballs in the sport, has one of the most effective sliders in the sport. You pair him with the Dodgers, I think you got yourself a surefire ace. It's just about staying healthy. So I have to give him an A too, because you look at the extension, $136.5 million. Hey, if he has a good year this year and shown he could be a durable pitcher and he pitched well in the postseason, he could have easily signed up for 160 to $175 million. But as he told me on this show, he wanted to be a Dodger. And then Yoshinobu, and then, so I'm giving the Tyler Glass now an A too. That's an A signing. Then on December 27th, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, they signed him for 12 years, $325 million. It was the most lucrative contract ever for a pitcher in baseball, and he had never even thrown one pitch. That tells you how special they thought Yamamoto was. He passed Garrett Cole's nine-year $324 million deal. I remember talking to people back after the season, some insiders, and they told me the only reason why they would consider Yamamoto is because of his age. You do not see free agents become available at age 25, especially phenom-level starting pitchers. So that's why they're willing to go $325 million. I will say, too, if I'm a young player out there that's on my arbitration deals, it just tells you how underpaid these guys are, if we're being honest, that at 25, Yamamoto can get that much scratch without even throwing one inning at the big league level. But, I mean, just look how he finished his time in the MPB. A 116 ERA, 171 innings in 2023, 176 punches, the 28 walks, his third straight year with a sub two ERA. His contract included a $50 million signing bonus. Not a lot of deferred money at all in that deal. Very different. But yeah, Yoshinobu Yamato, you get the top pitcher available a guy who I think is going to be our version of Pedro Martinez and Greg Maddox. Yeah. It's to be an a plus two. Then you got Teoscar Hernandez on January 12th. He signs a one year, 23 and a half million dollar deal. This is someone that the Dodgers absolutely 
needed to get as far as his player profile. A right-handed bat that rakes against lefties, someone who provides some more thump in that lineup on the other side, and they did it on a one-year $23.5 million deal. He had some deferred money in that contract as well, but what made this deal special and stand out is the fact that most everyone, every single projection you have for Teoscar was that he was going to sign a multi-year contract, something in the three or four year range, north of $50 million. They get him on a one-year contract. You put him in this lineup. He's going to rake against lefties. I think he's going to hit 28 to 30 home runs. I think there's a good chance he's going to be an all-star on a one-year deal. Like I said, they need a guy that can rake against lefties, but he can also rake against righties as well. But against lefties, this guy's an absolute nightmare. He slashed 317, 349, 628, with two, 27 home runs and 387 plate appearances and had a 164 way runs created plus against lefties for the last three seasons combined. So you look at that as far as his averages per year, that's big time. He's right up there with Mookie Betts as far as having success against Southpaw's career 136 way runs created plus. They got their lefty master and the Teoscar goes to the Dodgers. So I give that an A. Then January 29th, they talked about James Paxton, one-year deal, $7 million guarantee can earn up to $13 million. If he makes that opening day lineup, that opening day roster, and he's on the active, he can earn himself another $2 million. They did find some things in his physical where they reduced some of the guarantees in that, but he can earn up to $6 million in bonuses. And he had a lot of success last year when he was healthy. I'm going to give this one a B minus just because, look, he... Needs to prove that he can stay healthy, but I'll give this a B minus. And then next, Ryan Brazier, they signed him on February 8th, two years, $9 million. And this one is the one that surprised me a little bit. It was kind of one of those moves where I was like, oh, wait, then there's more, right? You think you're done shopping, and then you go, you run down the aisle, you pick something else up. This is what Ryan Brazier was. He was someone that could have gotten multi-year offers from other teams. I spoke with Ryan Brazier last week, and I asked him that question. I said, did you have multi-year offers out there? He said, yes, a lot of teams. He used the word a lot when it came to teams that were interested in him, but he also told me that right when the season ended, he called his agent and he said, I want to be back with the Dodgers. And this was before Otani. This was before Yamamoto. This is after they got swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the reason being is he was unlocked, especially against lefties with the Dodgers. I mean, a .7 the uh, 0.07 ERA with LA after having ERA almost at seven with the Boston Red Sox. They found that cutter. He was dominant. He was lights out. He was the best Dodger for the back half of the season out of the bullpen. And I think you look at the deal that he signed two years, 9 million. I mean, this was a great deal for the Dodgers. I'm going to give this one an A as well. How could you say anything other than that? I mean, look at that a 0.70 ERA. That's the second lowest in a season for a Dodger in baseball history with a minimum of 30 innings pitch behind only left-hander Hank, uh, Hank Aguirre in 1968. So he was doing historic stuff. It's kind of my point. Then he got Clayton Kershaw one year deal that has the player option and you have him back in the fold. I think for him, you just could not have Clayton Kershaw off this team. This just wouldn't have felt right without Kersh back. He could earn actually up to 37 and a half million over the two years if he hits on all of his, his incentives and relief appearances. So he can make a lot of money, but it's not about that for Kirsch. 
He had, was the first 200 plus million dollar pitcher in baseball history. So curse getting back. It's nothing but upside. It's champagne problems. Having a future first battle hall of famer. That's going to be healthy again. So then you got Kike Hernandez. I think Kike, I give it a solid B, a B for Kike one year, $4 million deal. There's a world where Kike could struggle at the plate. It's the only thing I will say. I hope it doesn't happen. There is a world where it could happen because even last year with the Dodgers, he wasn't an average bat. But defensively, he brings versatility. He brings the intangibles. He brings that that chip on your shoulder edge that you need in the postseason. He's got that dog in him. Definitely has that dog in him. So as a whole, Andrew Friedman, we're talking about summa cum laude. We're talking about someone who is the valedictorian at his high school that's getting a scholarship to Harvard, okay? Andrew Freeman gets an A plus 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 plus. Okay, this is Thanos getting all of the Infinity Stones this off seasons. And look, I see people. Oh, but Thanos lost. They only lost because the Avengers had to go back in time, right? Okay, let's just be honest here. So Andrew Freeman was absolutely in his bag. This was a legacy off season. That's what I said before it even began. And look what he accomplished. Look at the success he had. This is an off season that is going to be studied by general managers and presidents of organizations for decades to come. If everything works out the way, I think it has the potential to work out. That is how successful it was because not only did you get the big names, you had creative signings. You had deferred money. Yes, it was Otani's idea, but no one loves deferred. Hey, deferred money in the Dodgers, name a better duo, right? So the Dodgers, the contracts, they rebuilt the rotation. You brought back your best bullpen piece. You went out there, you got that lefty masher and Teoscar Hernandez and you still weren't done. You got the top free agent pitcher available. You brought back a lot of the players like Joe Kelly and Jason Hayward and Max Muncie. They've been really good players for this organization. Max Muncie has been a foundational player. So he absolutely crushed it. Like I said, honor roll Dean's list. Again, I'll have a bumper sticker on my car. You know, my president of baseball operations is honor roll at baseball university. I'll at middle school. I'll have that on my bumper. So he absolutely aced the test and it's just a matter of winning. So Andrew Friedman, he's done his job. I still think that you could see them at a shortstop, maybe at a bullpen piece at some point, but still this is someone who executed and Hey, Get the statue ready in Friedman. We trust get the bobblehead night ready. Hey, this is someone who was in his bag, but yep. That's going to do over this episode of Dodgers dugout live. Stay tuned later this week. I think Saturday, we're going to drop a video on the rise of Shohei Otani. Some of the untold Shohei Otani stories. Look for that on our YouTube channel. We'll do some quick walk-off shots right here. Your comments down below in the comments section. What was your grade? What was your grade for Andrew Friedman? Give me your grade. So Lux at 276. DMAC Mania. What up, Marty? Martin Morales over there. Appreciate you. You got to have the gloves up the middle. First and foremost, D is underrated. Bob D, I said way before spring, I was not as high on Lux as others are. I just hope he figures it out ASAP. He throws like he's playing catch with someone's kids. That's a roast. That's a finish him. It does look like he tosses it more than he throws it. I think he has to focus on the lower body. I have a DMAC bumper sticker. Thanks, Carnivore Sooner Activity. Mookie. Yo, I'm going to talk about Mookie next week and the fact that Mookie wants to be a legend. DMAC for a commissioner. We scoffed at Puig hitting 260 and called him falling off. That's from 
Abs to CAG. Alex, bro, Lux has seemed terrible defensively and honestly seems lackluster offensively too. He did have a nice little blue base hit yesterday. Here are your grades, and then we're going to be out of here. Carnivorous student activity, Andy gets an A. Teresa, A++. Roy Estrada, Friedman, A++++. Ronald Pasquale, A++++. Great A+, Dodgers show. Thank you, Mac and Cheese. Really appreciate that. Robert A, Robert A+, A, A+. This kind of scares me. I'm not going to lie. This kind of scares me because when you win the offseason like this, Usually things don't work out, but I think that they did everything they needed to do. A, A plus if Yamamoto does good this year, but that's going to do over this episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. If you haven't yet, do us a huge favor and subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel. That way you're eligible for all of our giveaways. We're close to 85,000. Once we hit that, we're giving away a brand new Yoshinobu Yamamoto Dodgers jersey. So to be eligible, subscribe to the channel and comment Yamamania down below. That is going to do it for this episode, though. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Remember, another brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. Until next time, think blue. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.